0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of Growth Everywhere, where we interview successful entrepreneurs and bring you business and personal growth tips. Today, we have Wade Forrester of Zapier. Wade, how are you doing today? Doing good, Eric. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. So, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background, and then let's talk a little bit about what Zapier is.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, my background is actually uh, in marketing. Uh, a lot like yours so uh, I I worked before I was ever in tech or anything like that I worked at a mortgage company of all places Um, and they did all their leads online they got all their leads online through PPC, AdWords all that good stuff and I did email there so that's where I kind of cut my chops Um, but one of the things that I wanted to do was send really good uh, send automated emails at the right time mortgage uh, lead process is really long um, so sending automated emails right at the right time can help increase the odds of closing that lead versus you know, uh, de- losing them to like, the local vendor or whatever. And so I wasn't a developer, but I was trying to hack on APIs, and it was like harder than, uh, you know, it was taking me more, a lot more time than if a developer would do it, basically is what it came down to. Then on the flip side, uh, my co-founder Brian and Mike were working on some SaaS products, and all their customers wanted integrations with a bunch of different things. Uh, and so we kind of, like that was the seed to the idea behind Zapier, which is basically a tool that connects any API together and you don't have to be technical, which is what was great for me, was because I could come in and say like, hey, when this event happens in some web software, you know, in Salesforce or in, uh, you know, in my payment processor, fire off off an email to this person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and We just kind of expanded that to all sorts of uh, web apps and tools that you might use. Productivity tools, uh, CRMs, email marketing tools. Uh, social media tools, you name it, you can kind of just mix and match and do all these little bits of automation to make your day better and don't have to know anything about APIs or code or anything like that.
0: Yeah, no, it's great and you, what you said right there, um, it, it solves problems for non-technical people like myself. I use Zapier a ton and it helps me with a lot of different integrations, but can you tell our audience how um, or give an example of how Zapier might help
1: them? Yeah, for sure. So like a great uh, example is um, say you want to keep track of, like, the people who are talking about you on Twitter. Um, I have a Zap set up that says anytime someone mentions Zapier, I just dump that mention into a Google spreadsheet. That way I can go back, review it over the month, see who, like, might be Zapier fans, Mm -hmm. uh, reach out to them and say, like, you know, just try and nurture that relationship. And we've gotten people who have huge followings on Twitter to share more of our stuff that way. You know, 50,000 followers, 100,000 followers who just randomly mention us Unprompted and it's nice to be able to go back and nurture those relationships. So that's like one little zap that I use that just Not super like impressive, but it makes one thing that I do way easier Yeah, and
0: again, I mean going back to that point. I, I we use so many tools over here I mean we, we have Trello we have high-rise and all this different yep. stuff. You have email Google Docs I mean Zapier it, it almost makes me feel like a programmer sometimes So I think you've done a great job with I think you've done a great job with the product um, Thanks so what, I guess, so Zapier is really similar to um, If This Then That, so what are the differences exactly?
1: Well, I mean, for us, the, the main thing we focus on is uh, productivity apps, CRM apps, email marketing apps. If you're running a business, uh, you know, Zapier is going to have, like, your entire tool set probably uh, supported, you know, we support 250 plus apps today. Wow. Um, so there's just a lot of different diversity of tool sets that you can use. Um, You can connect multiple accounts to Zapier, so if you've got like, you know, ten Twitter accounts, I don't know who would have ten Twitter accounts, maybe a social media agency or something. Um, You can connect as many as you want. Uh, If you gotta do like granular level of filtering, we have a bit of custom filters that let you like get really, really specific about what you want to trigger on. So for instance, say your like uh, brand name is like, has like orange in it, right? Or apple in it, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, You wouldn't want to like, in that Twitter example, you wouldn't want to trigger on every single mention of orange or apple, right? Mm -hmm. Especially if apple is going to get cluttered with all sorts of mentions of like the big giant company apple. So you can use the filters to say like, well, you know, if it also mentions this word, then trigger it. Or if Mm -hmm. it doesn't mention this word, then trigger it. So that way like you can kind of filter out a lot of the noise and be really, really specific about what the automation should do instead of just like turning on a fire hose and drowning in all the noise. and that's one of our like kind of our core beliefs is that automation should like empower you. It shouldn't like, you know, make you drowned uh, in just more work. Totally agree. And, and that's how exactly marketers think. So, um, perfect mindset.
0: Um, so you, I mean, Zapier went through Y Combinator and I, I guess to get into YC a lot of stories that I've heard, they're always looking for that one, the founder story. There's always gotta be like one story <laughs> that gets you guys in. So what is that story? Can you share it?
1: Sure, uh, so one of the things, we actually applied to Y Combinator twice. Um, mm-hmm. The first time we got the standard rejection email. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with, we, we had a good idea at the time, but we didn't have much else. Um, we just finished at Startup Weekend, we had a, like a, a barely functioning prototype. On paper, uh, us as founders aren't that impressive. Um, before Zapier, you know, we were uh, you know, college grads from a, a state university in the Midwest. Um, we hadn't worked at big major startups. Um, there was no like name brand recognition. We didn't have users. Um, all we had was like a barely functioning prototype. So it made sense that we got uh, rejected. But at the same time, um, that also made us like more determined. So we're like, well, screw it. We're just gonna do it anyway. <laughs> and so um, over the course of nine months, we bootstrapped the product. You know, we we did a lot of unconventional things. We ran an all play beta. Um, you know, we closed we kept things like roped off pretty close. Um, we collected uh, tons of email addresses before launching. Um, and then eventually, by the time we applied to YC the second time, we'd had like a thousand people pay us some amount of money. Uh, we had a bunch of people who were actually in YC or had been YC companies in the past using us. And so we went to apply. It was just a lot easier. I don't. It wasn't easy by any means, but we kind of had more to show for it. Our resume was a lot better because it's like, hey, look, this thing that we said we were going to do, we've actually done it. Um, and we had people to vouch for us, customers, partners, things like that.
0: Got it. Okay. Yeah. No. That's that's awesome. It's like you've made. I mean, obviously, you've you've created such a great tool, and you've had you probably had a ton of different startups, you know, that could use a tool like Zapier. So they probably word probably got around. And then it probably got to YC, right? And Paul Graham's like, "Oh, I've heard of these guys, right?" And that's how that's how it kind of happened. That's how I'm imagining it. But I like to
1: think that that's how it happened. I'm not sure if that's yeah. what it did, but no, it, it,
0: I could totally see that happening. So that, that's cool. Um, you know, and I want to kind of go into um, you know looking at you. I mean, we're we're both a, a little on the I guess I guess the question is, how old are you right now? <laughs> I'm 26. 26 okay we're roughly the same age so 26 you know you know my parents your parents saying things like you you know you you, your parents always want you to get like a stable job right so you getting into entrepreneurship like why did you get into it isn't there like a lot of risk like what made you want to take the risk
1: so I actually, growing up, um, my, my dad was a small business owner growing up, but I, I never was exposed to it, honestly, that much. I grew up in a conservative Midwest town. Everyone worked for the state of Missouri. Um, my mom was a pharmacist, so like stable, you know, $70,000 a year jobs were mm-hmm. like, that was like, oh man, if I can get that, right, like yeah. I hit the jackpot, because yep. it doesn't cost any money to live in the Midwest, so, yep. you know, you don't have to make that money much money and you can have a pretty dang good life. Mm-hmm. Um, but what actually got me into entrepreneurship was in 2008 um, I was you know at nearing the end of school and I like I'm a pretty good student you know I got you know mostly A's a few B's tossed in there and the, the market tanked and so I like was going to apply for like the standard good-looking jobs and just getting turned down because we're just not hiring like that was the thing right mm-hmm. and so I was like well dang like what what am I gonna do right mm-hmm. um, and so I started like poking around uh, reading a whole bunch of stuff online I, I came across like Rand Fishkin's blog and I came across like a lot of these people who were doing like really cool stuff online and I was like hey maybe I can do some like onliney stuff um, and I hooked up with a, a small business in town that was like needing some marketing help mm-hmm. and they didn't know anything about marketing which was great because I didn't know anything about marketing either so I basically convinced them that I did and mm-hmm. uh, just started testing all sorts of stuff. You know, I tried some PPC and AdWords. I tried doing, like, some organic stuff. Mm-hmm. Did, did some link building. Did some email list stuff. Like, just, like, got my feet wet. And mm-hmm. tons of, like, marketing-related things. Um, and that was really my first foray into entrepreneurship. I was working at this company that had eight people, and I was doing marketing for them. And mm-hmm. that was really what convinced me. It's, like, I, I got exposed. Like, I got enough that I was, like, I wanted more. And so I started... Uh, getting involved in the local startup scene. I, um, that's how I eventually met my co my co founders today, and uh, just knew that I wanted to run a SaaS company. <laughs>
0: nice. No, I I think the key takeaways is you know and I I kind of had like a similar start. I mean, someone needs to take a chance on you, and you need to be willing to test everything. And I mean, from from a really you know small business level all the way up to like a Facebook level, it's the same thing. You're just testing all the time, and that's what you're doing right now with your the, with the SaaS business. So I think that's really cool. Um, So let's talk a little bit about managing a remote team. Um, So how do you do it exactly and what's worked for you guys?
1: Uh, That's a great question. Um, The biggest thing that I think we did right is that we were remote from the very beginning. Um, I've talked to other of my peers who have tried to like turn into a remote team, but it's just really hard to transition uh, from not being remote to being remote. Um, But from day one, that's what we were. You know, we were working. It was a side project in Columbia, Missouri, and we didn't have like an office space or anything like that so we would just like hack at our homes, hack at the library, hack at the coffee shop, you check in code on GitHub, you know, we trade notes back and forth on email or GitHub, and like that's how we were getting work done. Um, In fact, the only time in our entire existence where everyone in our company has been in the same place was those three months during Y Combinator. And so by like, Working like that from the very get-go, it kind of just got ingrained in us that this is how you, this is how work gets done. And now over time, we've learned like how to scale, um, you know, a little bit of what we're doing. So we use things like P2, which is like the WordPress um, blog to like document everything. You know, if you have, if you do anything interesting during mm-hmm. the day, you'll write a P2 note to the rest of the team. After mm-hmm. this call, I'm gonna say like, hey, I did a quick interview with Eric Sue. Um, on you know growth everywhere, it's gonna come out sometime soon I'll let you guys know when it does so you can share it. Um, mm-hmm. You know it doesn't have to be lengthy updates, it could be that short or it could be a lengthier update. You know I'll have a good, big meeting with one of our partners and there will be lots of takeaways, lots of discussion and that'll end up being like a 500 sometimes thousand word post to everyone that's like hey here's some key things that you guys need to know about and everyone does that with whatever they're working on right you know you're working on a new feature it's like posting screenshots, posting whatever there. So, a lot of stuff just that's like the pulse of our company uh, is P2 and then Campfire as well. So, Campfire is like our office cooler, like water cooler sort of deal. And then we also use like Trello just as the roadmap, like moving big features down the pipeline um, to get things done. God, we're so similar. (laughs) Yeah, it's you know, and Trello is like high level, it's not like super nitty gritty. For yep. the nitty-gritty stuff, everyone kind of has their own like little tool sets that they use. Some people still use Trello. I use like Wunderlist just as like a little bit of a Wunderlist Evernote mix is what mm-hmm. I've got going on right now. It'll change next week <laughs> depending <laughs> on how I feel. Um, and so that works out really well. And then the other nice thing that we do is each week we have... a. Uh, a Friday meeting. I actually need to write up this. It took us forever to figure out like how to do an all hands meeting correctly in mm-hmm. uh, a remote team, mm-hmm. and I think we finally stumbled across something that's worked really well. We've done it for the last two months or so, and what we do is Friday morning or Thursday night, depending on whatever you feel. it Usually ends up being Friday morning because everyone's sort of lazy. Um, we write a bit the post of what we've done that week what we're going to do next week in P2 and once we jump into our Friday meeting everyone for the first 10 minutes we go read everybody's like updates and then we have a session where everyone gets five minutes to drill each other mm-hmm. ask questions about what the projects they are working on so that helps fill in the blanks um, about what's going on. Wow that's and then really just, interesting. Yeah ahead, it works bro. really well for like filling people like just getting to the nitty-gritty right away and I think the key thing is that because it's written beforehand, everyone has a chance to like read things that are best suited for being asynchronous communication. It's like stupid for me to get in a meeting and just like read off. You know, this week I did a marketing campaign with X. Here mm-hmm. are the results. You know, like that's dumb. When I can just be like written right there, and instead save the stuff the synchronous conversation for things that really do require um, th- that you couldn't really do asynchronously. Like stuff like it's like okay, you did that. Um, you know, you had this great marketing campaign. Um, tell me, like, what exactly did you do? Like, why do you think that was so successful? Like, you can get into some of the more uh, qualitative aspects of, like, that, that just require, I guess, synchronous communication. So that's one thing that I've we've been, I think we finally got that figured out right, and it's working really well.
0: Is that kind of like the whole Jeff Bezos meeting style? I mean, where people are just is, yeah. sit down and read?
1: Yeah, it is a bit modeled off of that. Um, it works really well. I, I mean, yeah. Yeah. No. We, I don't know if he came up with that originally or where he adopted, or if he adopted that from somewhere else. But yeah. um, count me a fan.
0: <laughs> no. I we've we've tried doing it too. I mean, it's it's I it's I'm starting to become a fan of it. So um, P2, by the way, that's is that kind of like a little internal like Reddit type of deal? What is what is that exactly?
1: Somewhat. Um. So it's a it's a WordPress theme is essentially what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, But right at the top of the WordPress theme, there is a big like, just like a box, that's like a status update box. Mm -hmm. You can put a title and you can put your posts in it and you can put tags. Like Mm -hmm. that's the three things that it is. So you go to it and then underneath it is just the stream. It's like a blog Mm -hmm. and it has like everything you need. Like just, it reads like a blog. That's as simple as what it is. And uh, you know, we use it for all sorts of stuff, like quick updates like that, or Mm -hmm. it could be like a wiki style thing. Um so it's not really like Reddit and it has like upvotes or anything like that but it is kind of like a, a stream of information of like things that people are working on Got it cool and that's free right Yeah I mean it's free it's open source and so do it, do what you want with it Cool <laughs>
0: free is good free is good Um yeah. question for you on uh, going back to the remote thing so um you know my team they people have been kind of surfacing this where it's like okay they're like you know we have remote people but Sometimes we don't know who's who, we don't know who's working on what, so how do you guys solve that problem?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, part part of it is P2, right? You're writing in there all the time what you're working on, so people kind of know. And then those Friday updates really help for um, getting to ask each other, like, okay, I know you're working on this feature, but like I have this feedback for you or I have this like information or I have like some some question I you know it could be anything Mm -hmm. and it just like allows everyone to kind of get that off their chest real quick if it's important enough and then we also do two or three times a year we get everyone together in person Mm -hmm. um, which I think is really key for the like answering the question like we don't know each other Mm -hmm. that really really helps for people to like actually know who the heck they're working with Mm -hmm. Um, and get to spend time basically living with them for a week um, and then just to know who they are. is like people, um, not just coworkers. Okay. So
0: do you guys like Airbnb a place and all like stay in the same spot, Tahoe yeah. or something? Yeah.
1: Yep. There you go. So we literally find the like coolest place uh, we can find on Airbnb uh-huh. um, and then that's where we go. Oh, I like it. I'm going to yep. I'm gonna steal that.
0: <laughs> cool. Um, do you guys still use? Um, I know you guys in one of your blog posts, um, you're talking about using this um, this web app called Squiggle. Do you guys still uh, yeah. use
1: that? Yeah, we use Squiggle um, pretty pretty regularly. Uh, can you uh, can you describe
0: how it is first and how it's working for you guys? I have
1: a tough time describing it. It's like a Google Hangout except for it's always on and uh-huh. it, instead of being like video like we are right now, yeah, it's just showing like a screenshot every or like a a face shot like a camera pick every. Mm-hmm. Uh like eight seconds or so, ten seconds or so, uh-huh. and so you can see like, am I at my workstation or not uh-huh. and that's like really what it's most helpful for, because like I'm terrible at my away messages like they're mm-hmm. they're just never up to date, they're never right, and so it's nice that people can like through squiggles, see like, okay wait is he not at his desk, so when I just eye him in that question like that 's why he's not ignoring me, he just literally is not sitting there, yeah. <laughs> Um, So that's like really the biggest benefit we get out of it. Plus it's nice too, like if you just have a quick one-off question, you know the person's not busy. It's nice because you can like one-click, hit their face, and you're in a chat like right away. There's no like dialing or any... Like like, a real office environment. Yeah, it literally is. It replicates the like tap on shoulder pretty pretty effectively. Mm
0: -hmm. You know, one of the objections I've had from uh, one of our managers was that this squiggle seems a little too big brother-ish. (laughs) <laughs> where it's like we're watching people all the time, and I can totally see where they're coming from. So that's been our struggle of kind of adopting that. I, what's your response to something like that?
1: I, I don't know. We don't use it as big brothery uh, uh-huh. sort of thing. Like it's not no, it's not required to be in Squiggle. We don't say like you have to get into Squiggle or yeah. or else like you're gonna lose your job or anything. It's just nice, and so mm-hmm. um, people generally seem to like it. Uh, I, I don't I mean, I, I guess I can see the big brothery thing if you use it like that. Yeah. But we don't use it like that, so it's not an issue.
0: Got it. Okay, cool. You know, I'll I'll i try to push <laughs> it a little more. I don't want to be big brotherish, but I think it's cool to be able to <laughs> tap people on the shoulder. Yeah, uh, that's
1: kinda how we always saw it. I don't think anyone in our company ever felt like it was a big brothery type thing.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, you know, Squiggle's a paid tool, obviously. If um you people mm-hmm. I mean if people in the audience wanna use something free, you know, Google Hangouts just calling them immediately that kinda gets an effect that's similar, so just let people know. Um, So let's talk a little bit about user acquisition, you know, what's working for you guys, what hasn't worked for you guys.
1: Sure, Um, I guess the most interesting thing would be to go back to like the very very early days, um, because I think that's probably like the most challenging thing, is uh, the things that I do today may not be applicable to your company, but like how you figure out what a good channel is, Mm -hmm. And one of the very first things, it's kind of going to be silly, um, that you can do, that we did, was post links into other people's forums um, <laughs> to get to get our first users, right? So there's lots of great, um, I guess for a lack of a better word, like places where people are hanging out or channels that exist. Um, in our case, it was like the Dropbox forums, the Evernote forums, the Salesforce.com forums, mm-hmm. where people are like begging for integrations. Uh, you know, and saying like, hey, I'd really like to see this. I remember like there was like a, a on Highrise. I think there was one where people were asking for Google Contacts integration. There was like 400 comments on that thread. Uh-huh. And so I just posted a link like saying, hey, we're working on this project. Uh, it's gonna hook up Highrise to Google Contacts if you're interested. Here's a link to it. And all it was, all it was, was like pointing to a page that said like had a highrise logo and a Google Contacts logo and like two sentences of copy and like an email thing that was like vote for this. I I think it said vote or maybe like find out when it's ready. Yeah. Um, I forget the exact thing. The crazy bit about that was, you know, we'd only get like 10 or so visitors a day, Mm -hmm. but half of them would give us their email address, which was crazy awesome. So, you know, I would spend, you know, when you're trying to build out a product, like that was amazing. You know, I would, I'd dump like, you know, five links a day in these different forums. And that would be like 50, like, 50 email addresses per day, Mm -hmm. um, in addition to the ones that I did yesterday, Um, and people keep going back to these forums, especially for like these big SaaS services, Mm -hmm. Um, and so we started getting just a huge email list, by the time we launched, we had, I think we had like 12,000 people on an email list, and we would not really done any active promotion, Mm -hmm. um, other than like those email lists, and then our Zapbook, which has, ranks really, really well for all sorts of different uh, search terms. Uh, So if you, like, Google different types of SaaS services, we built that out pretty early as well. How long did Um, it take you to get to that 12,000? How many days? um, I think it probably took, like, six months or so. Okay. Um, But it was very passive, right? Like, we we weren't blogging, we weren't doing AdWords, we weren't doing newsletters. Like, we weren't doing a lot of this other stuff. Um, that you see a lot of people telling you have to do to like build an email list. So we you were, just, were
0: um I'm sorry to interrupt, but so yeah. you were I mean people were asking for specific help, right? It wasn't just like you were just, just there. Hey, come check out my shit. Come buy it. It was just like you guys were genuinely helping, right? It's it's a different approach than form spamming.
1: Yeah, uh, we were like we were saying hey we're working. These people are like we want a high-rise Google Contacts integration. High-rise forums had been asked for like three for three, like for three years mm-hmm. and so and people from 37signals had said like this is just not something we're working on. It wasn't that they were like they're a great company but it just was not on their feature list you know yeah. they had something else that they had to do so we just said hey we're working on this project mm-hmm. like if you're interested in checking it out like mm-hmm. check it out I mean it, it was a bit self-promotional mm-hmm. I don't feel like it was spam I mean you, mm-hmm. you might be able to like argue that that was fish or whatever but i felt like it was genuinely helpful and so did other people um and then if they gave us their email link and once we had it ready we would let them in and use the product now granted we would ask for money we'd ask (laughs) i think we asked for like five bucks or whatever and it got you into the lifetime of the beta Mm -hmm. but it did exactly what they thought they they, what they wanted right Mm -hmm. that's the thing that they wanted and so we gave it to them um and you know it's amazing that like you know marketing is easy when you give people what they want right Yeah, (laughs) so that's like all we were doing yeah well so I mean you know key
0: takeaway here I mean I've always talked about in some of my other interviews you talk about doing the stuff that doesn't scale this was one of those things right and you gotta have a great product and that's when marketing gets you know easy you being a marketer yourself so that's the key thing you can't just build something crappy and even if you had the world's (laughs) best marketers in the you know they're not going to be able to help you because every user they bring in, it's just going to end up falling out. So yeah, uh, well, I mean,
1: if we would have had a, had a bad product, like I totally would have felt terrible about putting links and forms and things like that. That would have been awful because, but we didn't like we had, I mean, it wasn't great at that time, like it, but Mm -hmm. it did exactly what they wanted it to do. Mm -hmm. Um, It wasn't as smooth as it is today, but it still did what they wanted it to do. Got it.
0: So user acquisition today, um, what are you guys doing now?
1: A lot of it's built on our partnerships, right? Today, so uh, you know, we integrate with 250 different uh, other companies. These all—all these companies have big user bases, um, and so when we launch a new one, we make sure that they, you know, link to their page uh, on Zapier.com. So every partner has a specific page for them that shows off. You know, it's all like if we've done a lot of work to make sure it's got good content, it like targets the right keywords and all sorts of stuff like that. And uh, from that, we're able to get you know a significant chunk of their user base to like start using us. Um, you know, if you like go to oh, I, I, a great example might be like Mailchimp's Integration Directory, Salesforce App Exchange, or like Nimble has a nice marketplace and look for like a type of integration that you want. Like, hey, I'd like to connect Mailchimp to maybe like Salesforce, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to be listed there, um, so that sends us nice chunks of traffic all the, every day. It's evergreen. It you know that's not going to go away. Um, people are going to keep looking for you know Salesforce integration for Mailchimp and if you multiply that out across you know 250 services that ends up being like a nice chunk of traffic and it's highly highly targeted you know these people are specifically looking for a solution to this product problem and that's what they're coming directly to us to solve it um, so the conversion rates are quite quite good um, whereas if you're just doing like content marketing, it can be you know you can you can get good conversion rates sometimes, but it's like you're still gonna have a tough time like getting your bounce rate lower than like eighty percent or so. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas with this, like the bounce rates are minuscule because it's solving exactly the thing that they came to our site for.
0: Yeah. Again, I think this all ties back to, you know, the stuff that doesn't scale. I mean, biz dev partnerships, whatever type of integration, it takes a long time to get these going. Same, same thing with the forum stuff too. So I think Mm -hmm. that's, that's really helpful for the audience to understand. Um,
1: you know, and you keep saying like things that don't scale, but the interesting thing is, I I don't think that it like, I, I would like question people to think about what really doesn't scale. Right. You know, Zappos Scaled customer service like people always said like great customer service doesn't scale but like Zappos here They're like a humongous company and they're scaling customer support. So Mm -hmm. I I think that line sometimes gets a little bit overused Mm -hmm. Um, Just do things that work and like figure out like you know, they you know if it gets you 10 customers today That's great. Like you'll figure out a way to turn that small thing into like a hundred customers um, or to a thousand customers, or whatever. Right. Um, so I, I think you can actually find ways to scale things um, that might not seem scalable at first. Yeah,
0: I think I think that's that, that's exactly. I think that's what the that that quote really gets at, like how it starts in the beginning. Obviously, I yep. think you could scale it out later. Um, mm-hmm. So I do agree with you. It does get kind of played out, but I do think it does take time to really figure out the process for that, um, which is what I'm trying to get at. Um, yep. So let's, um, you know, just wrapping it up here. Two more questions for you. Um, so what's a must have uh, or must read business book?
1: Oh man, that's a good question. Um, I actually don't read as much as I used to. <laughs> I, I really liked, um, the book that really taught me a lot about validating market was Steve Blank's uh, Four Steps to the Epiphany. Uh. Um, I, was, I was working on a product that wasn't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kept thinking like I was doing a bad job at like selling it Mm -hmm. Um, but ultimately like I I was reading through that book and it just like it dawned on me it's like it's not that the product it's not that I'm doing a bad job at selling it which I probably was anyway Uh but it's also like the product wasn't like it just didn't match with what people needed at the time like it was a good product it was solid it did what it did well but it just didn't really solve a core issue and that's why I struggled so well and um, I think uh, Steve just does a phenomenal job about laying out like some ways to help like test and define markets. Um, so I, yeah, I mean it's it's a bit old now, but I don't think it's like I don't think it's dated at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's yeah, I think it's great for anyone who's like thinking about doing a startup or whatever um, to check that book out.
0: Totally agree. It's a fantastic book. Um, so what's one actionable? What's one actionable thing entrepreneurs can do in the next twenty-four hours to grow their business? I know I'm putting you on the spot here.
1: Uh, Do something. (laughs) Um, You know, I I don't think there's probably any big thing that you could do like in the next twenty-four hours, but just do something. Um, You know, one my my best productivity trick, and I stole this from someone else. I don't remember who. I think lots of people do this. Every night, I write down three things that I want to do the next day. The next day, I do those three things. Um, Super boring. not like fancy at all, but you know, over the course of a year, it winds up that I do a whole bunch of stuff. Um, so got Do it. something. <laughs> no,
0: I actually do the same exact thing, so I totally I, I forgot who I stole it from, too. And it's really effective, you do the things that you know drive the most impact, so you cut all the other crap out. Totally on yep. board with that. So, um, Wade, thanks so much for doing this. Um, everyone, try out Zapier, they have a you know a freemium version you can upgrade later. Um, very great product. So, Wade, thanks for doing this.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Eric.